we, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Well, welcome to the We the People Convention News and Opinion radio show and podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski, and I am your host for this show. I'm also the president of the We the People Convention, which is a sponsor of this five-station uh, statewide radio network and national podcast. If you're new to the show, I want to say welcome to you. Uh, thank you for joining us. I think you'll find that there's information here you will not get anywhere else. There's certainly opinions here you'll not get anywhere else. And for those of you who have been listening every week and our audience appears to be growing every week, thank you for uh, tuning in. Thank you for your comments and notes that you send. Uh, thank you for telling other people about the show. It's really important. We're, we're really, you know, the reason we did this show, for those of you who are new, is that the, the Tea Party movement in Ohio knew that this year in 2020, that the social media companies, Facebook and, and Google and Twitter and those people, were going to shut us down. They weren't going to let us do what we did in 2016 to help elect Donald Trump by winning Ohio. He doesn't win if he doesn't win Ohio. And we did that, and we did that a lot through social media. But we knew from uh, the reports that we were seeing in the media as, as long as two or three years ago that they were going to cut us off from that. And we're seeing that now. I get banned all the time. Uh, things that I put out on social media that used to get 30,000 views get 300 views now. So a year ago, we committed as, as a movement, as patriots in the state of Ohio, we committed to raise $80,000 to fund this show. And uh, you're listening to the results of that. And we're awful glad to be on the air with you. Uh, and, and we're awful glad that you've joined us. So the idea behind the show is really straightforward. You know, we kind of go through all the news, we get rid of all the noise and nonsense, and we focus on what's important to you, the listener. What's important to you and me? What affects our lives? And then we talk about how it affects our lives, and then we act on how it affects our, our lives. We are here to protect and defend our freedom, our liberty, and our prosperity in our nation. And so that's what you're gonna hear in this show. And I'm awful glad that you're with me you know, today so we can talk about some really important stuff that's going on. Now, obviously, the big story you know, right now is the Democratic you know, Party uh, primaries this week, Super Tuesday, and the subsequent dropping out of everybody. Uh, Elizabeth Warren just dropped out. So it's down to, you know, basically Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders in the Democratic uh, primary race. And of course, Donald Trump in the Republican race. And so those of you who listen to the show know that I had told you for the last couple of weeks that I was confident that it was going to be uh, Michael Bloomberg, that Bloomberg was going to be the guy that you know, they uh, put up, uh, not because he could win. I didn't think any Democrat could win, but because I thought that he would write the check and the Democrats would take the check. Um, that's not what's happened. And Bloomberg's not going to be, at least I don't think he's going to be the nominee. But uh, what they ended up doing is, if you remember last week, I had kind of... Uh, put out some stories about how Bloomberg had had this study done that 
talked about how bad it would be for all the down ticket Democrats if if Sanders was the nominee. And and this and I think what happened was that everybody in you know the Democratic Party read those numbers and just literally became terrified. And so it's Joe Biden, not because they think Joe Biden can win, because Joe Biden can't win, folks. Joe Biden is a buffoon. Joe Joe Biden is is literally I feel sorry for him. I think I think he's borderline demented. You know, as far as having dementia, I think he needs help. I think that you know the people that are putting him up uh, are really despicable because they're all about power and they're all about uh, themselves and they're just using this guy. and And it's really going to be sad and ugly. And that's why I said I'm not sure Bloomer's not going to be their nominee or somebody else because I don't even know. If if Biden can make it to the to the convention, uh, let alone make it through the whole election. And I'm not kidding about that, folks. I mean, I'm telling you, the guy is not up to it. And so what happened was that the the establishment said, and it's really started with Barack Obama. Barack Obama called, uh, you know, uh, Buttigieg and, and uh, Klobuchar and said, we need you guys to drop out for the good of the party and all that kind of stuff. Okay, and that's what happened before Super Tuesday. So after after you know they they orchestrate a win for Biden in South Carolina, then they get everybody else to drop out, and then all their machinery, all the Democratic machinery at the local level. I'm not talking about grassroots people. I'm talking about the paid people who are Democratic, you know, local city councilmen and mayors and 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 you know activists. But these are paid activists. They knew. We've got to elect Joe Biden because we got to protect our jobs, okay? And so that's that's really what's going on here. There, there's there's no belief uh, they don't believe it, and and they can tell you whatever they want to tell you. There's nobody that believes that Joe Biden's going to win this because there's just way too many problems. And I quite frankly think they made the wrong choice. I think they would have been better off with Bloomberg. But again, Barack Obama's behind this, and what do they want? They don't want to lose the House and they don't want to lose the Senate, right? They, they want to try to win the Senate and they want to try to keep the House. Though I think, you know, we're going to see some numbers where they're going to tell you that that's going to be really hard for them to do. But the whole point is, is that they know that all the deep state, all the people who work, again, remember, in Washington, D.C., 96% of people voted for Hillary Clinton. 96%, which basically tells you that almost all government employees are Democrats, okay, or liberals, or liberals, if not worse, if not communists and socialists, right? So, so they know that if they just don't get wiped out down ticket, then they're still going to have a lot of power and they'll live the fight again. But if if Kami Bernie wins the nomination and is their nominee, it could have literally been the end of the Democratic Party. Why? Because those of you who, are, who consider yourselves Democrats who are listening to this radio show and watching this podcast, they were hearing from you. They weren't just hearing from me when I was talking about how last week I said, this isn't an election where you're voting for a Democrat or a Republican. I said, you're voting for a communist or an American. That's what was going on here. And so they heard you saying, I don't want a communist. I'm not going to vote for these people. And they heard all the Democrats, 25% of the people at Trump rallies are now Democrats. They could hear these people moving. Now, here's what you got to understand. Nothing's really changed. The only thing that's changed is the propaganda. 
They're, they're still run by communists and globalists. They're still run by people who hate the United States of America. None of that's changed. They're just going to put a stupid face on it, you know, the puppet, Joe Biden's face, and say to you, oh, yeah, see, he's a moderate, right? Joe Biden's a moderate. Well, I got news for you. Joe Biden isn't even close to a moderate. And, and, and let me play this, because he already, he already made a major mistake, like he doesn't make a mistake every day. So even while they're, they're setting the table to fix their, their, you know, the Democratic uh, you know, nomination for Biden, he makes this gaffe, folks. Tell me if you think this is moderate. This is Joe Biden, you know, talking, getting his endorsement from Beto O'Rourke. Do it for Joe! I want to make something clear. I'm going to guarantee you this is not last year's seat of this guy. You're going to take care of the gun problem with me. You're going to be the one that leads this effort. I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you. We need you badly. The state needs you. The country needs you. You're the best. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. So, so there you have it. He gets the endorsement from Beto O'Rourke, and then he says that Beto O'Rourke is going to be his guy to, quote-unquote, take care of the gun program, gun problem. And what is, what is the gun problem, right? Beto O'Rourke then says, hell yes, we're going to take away your guns. You think that's moderate? Was Barack Obama moderate, folks? Barack Obama was at least a socialist, right? Do you want to go back to this? And here's another thing you got to understand. With Joe Biden's very, very suspect mental and physical health, okay, you think he's actually going to run the government? It's going to be all the same Obama people we just spent eight years trying to get rid of, right? That's what's going to happen. So, so let me just go through a list now. You just, you're, you're listening to this show. You're watching the podcast. So let me just go through some lists of what Joe Biden stands for. And you tell me if you think this is, this is moderate. This is what you believe in. Uh, does he believe in tuition-free public college? It says partially. Does he believe in affirmative action? Yes. Does he believe in universal child care? Yes. Does he believe in universal pre-garden kindergarten? Yes. Does he believe in increased funding for primary and secondary public education? Yes. Because he's in the pockets of the unions, right? And he's got to say that. Does he believe in the Green New Deal? Partially. That's scary. No fossil fuel money uh, pledge. Yes, he believes that the government shouldn't help with fossil fuels. Nuclear power to reduce emissions, he says yes. He says, do you want to believe me back going to the Paris Climate Agreement? Biden says yes. Do you want to ban fracking? He didn't answer that. Do you want to ban offshore drilling? Partially. Do you want to declare, uh, do you want to end fossil fuel extraction on federal lands? Yes. Do you want to end fossil fuel subsidies? Yes. Remember I had a story a couple weeks back about how we set new records for our energy production on federal lands that were helping the Indian tribes and communities with the royalties, right? He's against that. Joe Biden's against that. Um, are you for universal background checks? Yes. Do you want to ban assault weapons? Yes. Do you want a gun buyback program? Voluntary. Do you want to require gun licenses? He says no. Do you support single-payer health care systems? He says no. But does he support public health insurance options? Yes. Would he eliminate private health care? No. Uh, would he import uh, prescription drugs from Canada? He didn't answer. Now, again, 
His big deal is unions. Unions have private health care. They don't want universal health care. That's why uh, you know, Joe Biden is saying no to those questions. Is he for uh, immigration and border security? Does he want the proposed Trump border wall? No. Does he want the Trump uh, travel ban? No. Does he support DACA? Yes. Uh, does he want to allow more visa workers? Yes. Uh, does he want to uh, decriminalize illegal immigration? No. Uh, does he want to um, reinstate net neutrality? He's unclear. Does he believe in the estate tax? Yes, he wants an estate tax. Um, does he support NAFTA? Yes, he wants to go back to NAFTA. I mean, it just goes on and on. You know, he wants to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. He wants paid family leave. He wants paid sick leave. He wants to limit right-to-work laws, folks. He's in the bag with the unions. That's not good for you and I. Uh, let's see, what else we got here? Does he want to withdraw troops from Afghanistan by the end of his first term? Yes. He wants intervention in Syria, which Trump would not do. He wants inter uh, intervention in Yemen? No. Does he like drone strikes of terrorists? Yes. Does he want to abolish electoral college? No. But does he want to uh, ban voter ID laws? Joe Biden wants to ban voter ID laws. He wants statehood for Washington, D.C. He wants statehood for Puerto Rico. He wants to overturn Citizens United. He wants to uh, end capital punishment. He wants to expunge can uh, cannabis conviction records. He wants to end private prisons. He wants to vote for the Equality Act, folks. The Equality Act which is the Inequality Act, right? The left, they always mean the opposite of what they say. That's the act where it says, oh, you know, you're a, you know, you're a certain you know, gender or sexual identity or whatever, and you're going to have superior rights to me. Joe Biden's for that. When they're telling you in the news that he's a moderate, he's not a moderate. And what's even worse than that, he's not even going to be in control and he's going to be the one that's got all the Obama people taking us back down the path to globalization, open borders, right? And division in our country. Identity politics, the state over the individual. That's why this affects you. Because this is Joe Biden is an attack on individualism. That's what he is. He's a statist. And he would be a representative of the state just as much as Bernie Sanders would be. But, but again, I said, I don't think he's going to win. And here's why he's not going to win. President Bush said today, President Bush, President Trump said today that he's going to bring up Ukraine all during the campaign. And Senator Ron Johnson uh, from Wisconsin announced he is close to releasing an interim report on investigations for, from the Senate Republicans that have been running on former Vice President Joe Biden, his son Hunter, and his ties to the Ukrainian gas company Burisma and Ukrainian interference in U.S. elections. My investigation into possible corruption of the Obama administration dates back to Hillary Clinton's email scandal, Johnson told Fox News. It was our oversight that ended up releasing most of the Peter Strzok, Lisa Page texts. I joined Chuck Grassley's investigation into possible DNC involvement with Ukraine to affect the 2016 election back in 2017. 
It's not our fault that Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, got wrapped up in the whole Ukraine story. We are not closing our eyes to this, and I have no idea why anyone would object to us obtaining records from a U.S. consulting firm run by former Clinton administration officials that is basically using Hunter Biden's name to strong-arm the State Department to curry benefits for a corrupt Ukrainian oil company. So that's what we're trying to do here. But our investigation, our oversight is much broader than just this Ukrainian story with Hunter Biden and even the DNC. Right. So this guy, they pick Biden. And, and, and this is just the Johnson you know, Senate panel looking at this. Durham and, and Barr have been overseas to, to talk to the Ukrainians as I said in a story previous on our show, the, the, you know, uh, AG Bill Barr has assigned uh, the uh, the district attorney in Pittsburgh to handle all this information that Rudy Giuliani has gathered from Ukrainian sources. And this guy's going to be their presidential nominee. And they're going to try to tell you that we shouldn't look into this. We shouldn't look into this because you're interfering with the election. So let me get this straight. You know, if you're Hillary Clinton or you're Joe Biden, you commit a crime. The only, all you have to do is run for president and you're allowed to break the law? No, that's not what we do here. That's not what we do here. So, you know, I, I want to, but let's just be clear what this is all about. I want to play you a clip of Victor Davis Hanson talking with Tucker Carlson. And this just sums it up beautifully. So it, they clearly don't so. care about the things they say they care about. So if you could just sum up crisply what they do care about, what do you think that is? What they do care about is they want to control the House and they want to win back the Senate and they want Supreme Court picks because they're interested in power. They're not interested in necessarily in diversity or people of color being the new face of the Democratic Party exactly. or any of that. They're interested in power and they think they can't get it with Bernie Sanders and they're absolutely right. He'll be a disaster. This is the worst field we've seen since Walter Mondale lost in a landslide to Ronald Reagan. And if they go the Bernie route, they're going to lose big. And they're desperate, yeah. and they're, all, they're, all, they're down to the 11th hour, and the only candidates they have that they think they can save the House and maybe win back the Senate are Bloomberg and Biden, and they're pathetic candidates. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of a tragedy <laughs> to right. watch this thing unfold. It really is. Oh, but the, there's, but it's about there's power, pleasure in it too, Professor, it I would say. It. Exactly. It's about yeah. power. Yeah, exactly. It's pathetic, and it's about power. And that's, that's all there is to it. So, so the mask has been ripped off. Folks, all you people who you know, think you're Democrats, the mask has been ripped off. There's, there's no diversity there. There's no caring about minorities. There's no you know, uh, you know, caring about the country. There's no you know, uh, anti-capitalist you know, whatever. These are billionaires, mostly from New York Wall Street firms and from Hollywood and Silicon Valley who say, we can't let Bernie Sanders win because he's going to take all our money. So we're going to back Joe Biden because we know he's going to protect our money. Okay? And they're making a mistake. And there's a, a, a good article I just want to bring your attention real quickly. It's, it's by uh, Molly Hemingway. Now, Molly Hemingway, you guys have seen her on Fox and stuff. And she's, yeah, she's a real conservative. And she usually is in the role of defending Trump. But she wrote an article that I think is spot on the money. She said, Democrats are learning the wrong lesson from 2016's GOP primary. And basically what caused her to write this article was that as soon as everybody started dropping out, so that they could, you know, vote for Biden and, 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 you know, they could get all their ducks in a row on the Democratic side. They, there were all these articles that saying moderate Democrats are doing what Republicans refused to do in 2016, getting out of the way. 
Okay? And basically what the Democrats are trying to say is we would have never had a Trump if they would have just had, you know, uh, Rubio and, and Paul and, and, and Carson and those guys would have got out sooner so that Jeb, you know, could have been the guy to beat Trump. And Molly points out that they're wrong. They're making a mistake because what they just did is they just blew up the base of their party. I'm going to talk to you a little later in the show about how the turnout for young people was down this year, okay, and how it's going to be non-existent in the fall. These people just threw their party under the bus to protect their power, and they're going to pay for it because they're not going to win. And what the Republicans did, and I was talking to a friend of mine about this, I can remember the day, I can literally remember the day I was watching TV and, and there was a lot of debate about whether the RNC would support Trump if he won the nomination. This was like in May uh, or April of 2016. And, and I remember watching the TV and Trump went and met with the RNC, Rance Priebus, the RNC. And basically he said to them, listen, I'm not going to start my own statewide organizations like most presidential campaigns do because you already have people on, on the ground. There's, there's Republican Party organizations in every state. So he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to raise money for you, and then you're going to support my campaign. And from that point forward, the Republican Party stopped trying to undermine, you know, John Kasich and those clowns were talking about how they could get people who, you know, were electors to change their votes. And Ted Cruz was trying to, you know, do something to rig the, the, you know, the convention. And the Republicans didn't do it. You know what happened? They got the votes they needed to win. Because they didn't alienate the Tea Party and the base that was working so hard for Trump, even though they didn't like Trump and they weren't really for Trump, they knew that they had to support him. And then when he got elected, we started to come together. Whereas today, as Trump said in his last rally, we're probably more together today than the Republican Party has been ever. So the Democrats are making a mistake. They just don't know it. And uh, we're going to talk more about that here in a second. We're going to take a break. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion radio program and podcast. And my name's Tom Zawistowski. As Merrick, president of Liberty Camp for Kids in Portage County, Ohio. Liberty Camp for Kids is where students in grades 1 through 6 experience the founding of our nation. This year's camp will be held from July 20th through the 24th from 9 till noon. The cost is $30 per camper. If you're interested in our camp, being a volunteer, or even starting one of your own, go to www.LibertyCampForKids.com. Buckeye Firearms Association is Ohio's number one gun rights organization, protecting the rights of Ohio's 4 million gun owners. And you can get our weekly gun rights newsletter free. Receive breaking news and urgent alerts on gun laws. Stay up to date on self-defense and shooting sports. Discover pro-gun activities and events near you. Get your free gun rights newsletter now at bfanews.org. That's bfanews.org. bfanews.org. 
All right, and we're back, and I want to thank you for being with us today, whether it's on the radio or on the podcast. You can uh, find out how you can uh, listen on the radio uh, at uh, wethepeopleconvention.org. You click on the big yellow button there that talks about the podcast and the radio show, lists all the stations, uh, you know, gives you all kinds of ways to, to listen to and watch the show, whether it's on iTunes, on iHeartRadio, on YouTube, uh, on our website at wethepeopleconvention.org, uh, on Roku TV, on uh, Amazon Fire TV. We got people listening and watching all kinds of ways, and we're sure glad that you're with us today, and we hope that you will tell other people about it. So let's talk about some of the ramifications from the Democrats' uh, situation now. They've picked Joe Biden and everybody else dropped out. Here's one that you didn't get, and I sent an email out about this uh, just on Thursday, and if you don't get our emails, go to wethepeopleconvention.org, and right on the front page it says, get our newsletter. Put in your email address and your zip code, and you'll start getting them, because as you're going to see here in the next couple minutes, you know, there's important emails that I send out. The one that I sent out that I didn't think anybody picked up on and I thought was the biggest news of Super Tuesday if you're a Trump supporter and if you're a conservative. And that is that in California, nine seats are poised to flip from blue to red what with one red district at risk, looks like it may stay red in November in congressional seats in California. This is a big deal. Beneath the cover of contentious presidential primary race that gave establishment Democrats hope, the arguably biggest takeaway of the night is going to be buried. And it was. You didn't know about this. But Democrats took note, and the implications are terrifying them. While Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden did battle on the national stage from coast to coast, several states were also holding primary elections for lower offices. There were some good storylines in the high-profile Senate races that were will supplement supplement Biden versus Sanders talk in a news cycle. But the part you likely won't hear much about was California's primary for all 54 congressional seats. Why won't you hear about it elsewhere? Because nine Democratic seats can clearly be flipped and one Republican seat in jeopardy seems to be poised to stay red. That wasn't the news that DNC wanted to hear. And it definitely wasn't the news that Nancy Pelosi wanted to hear. Folks, we only need to win 15 House seats to take back the House and throw Nancy Pelosi out and throw Adam Schiff out and throw Nadler out. Fifteen. This story says that nine congressional seats in California flipped on Super Tuesday. See, because they have this jungle primary nonsense. They don't have it where Republicans and, and, you know, and libertarians and whatever go against each other as party candidates. In, in California, you know, they have the primary. Whoever gets the top two vote-getters are the only ones in the race. And Republicans won a bunch of those. That's huge news. That's huge news. And that's just a sign of the things to come. And, and so why did this happen? Well, here's some more huge news. The untold story of Super Tuesday is that President Trump had unbelievable voter turnouts. Unbelievable voter turnouts. One thing that people are doing a lot, and I've done on this show, is I've compared, because again, President Trump isn't running against anybody. He's virtually unopposed. I mean, there's other people on the ballots, but they don't have any money. They can't really do much. But, but he's virtually unopposed. So the fact that you would go out and vote for him, and our surveying says you're going to, and, and, and these facts I'm going to give you say are going to prove that you're going to, is that simply because you just want to show your support. You don't have to vote for him to be the nominee. You're just doing it because you love him and you want to show our support for him against all the fake news that says no one supports him. Well, 
the comparison is with Barack Obama when he run ran unopposed in his midterm election, right? In 2012, in his primaries. Listen to some of these numbers. In Alabama, Trump got 709,000 votes in the primary. Obama got 241. In Arkansas, Trump got 237,000 votes. Obama got 94,000. In Massachusetts, Trump got 229,000 votes. Obama got 128,000. In New Hampshire, Trump got 130,000 votes. Obama got 50,000. In Oklahoma, Trump got 273,000 votes. Obama got 64,000. In Tennessee, he got 384,000 votes, and Obama got 80,000. Folks, it's so bad that there were states where Trump got more votes in the primary than all the Democrats combined. How does that add up to anything but a win for Trump in November? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit here too, okay? But I do want to share something that I thought was just the greatest thing going. I'm going to play this video for you. So you can see it on the podcast. You'll hear the audio and see if you recognize this guy because I think this is one of the nicest stories that happened on Super Tuesday. Listen to this video. What I really came down here for is this. Uh, I've heard a whole lot of people in here talking tonight about this group and that group and domestic violence and blacks, these minorities and that minority. What I want to know is, when are you all going to start standing up for the majority? And here's who the majority is. I'm the majority. I'm a law-abiding citizen who's never shot anybody, never committed a serious crime, never committed a felony. I've never done anything like that. But it seems like every time we have one of these shootings, nobody wants to blame, put the blame where it goes, which is at the shooter's feet. You want to put it at my feet. You want to turn around and restrict my right, constitutional right that's spelled out in black and white. You want to restrict my right to buy a firearm and protect myself from some of the very people you're talking about in here tonight. It's ridiculous. I don't think Rod Serling could come up with a better script. It does not make any sense. The law-abiding citizens of this community and many communities around this country, we're the first ones taxed and the last ones considered and the first ones punished when things like this happens because our rights are the ones that are being taken away. So that voice, that guy you heard, his name is Mark Robinson, and he's a black guy from Greensboro, North Carolina, who, when the city there was trying to ban handguns and do gun confiscation, he came and he talked, okay, at the city council meeting and said, I'm the majority. You're hurting us. You're not solving any problems. Well, guess what? Mark Robinson ran for lieutenant governor of North Carolina in the Republican primary, and he won. He won. He was seeking his first elected office, and he topped eight other candidates, likely winning the primary without a runoff and shocking pundits. He spent less than other candidates. One state senator in that race put half a million dollars into the campaign and didn't have the statewide. And this guy didn't have a statewide platform or any political experience, and he won. You know why he won? Because he's sincere and he's honest and he knows right from wrong because he's a common sense American. And, and Robinson said, had this quote. He said, Robinson believes there's a false narrative being spread by the media about racism in the Republican Party. He said, quote, we've allowed other people to dictate the narrative and tell the story. I've not seen any racism in the Republican Party the whole time I've been in it. 
Amen. Amen to that. And he won. I think that's just awesome. I think that's just awesome. Well, the other thing that's just awesome is that I reached out and I asked you guys to act this week because there's the the FISA court is being is having to be renewed by March 15th. It's it's part of the Patriot Act and and the US Freedom Act is a as a thing that changed the Patriot Act and FISA is part of that. And and we got wind that Jim Jordan and Rand Paul and 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 Ted Cruz and Mark Meadows those guys were meeting with the president on Wednesday to uh to talk about this because Mitch McConnell and those guys uh and you know, all the deep staters, you know, Lindsey Graham, want them to just renew the FISA without any changes after all that they've done. And so I had asked you, I'd sent out an email and I had made a phone call asking you guys to call the White House at 202-456-1111 and you did. And we loaded up the switchboard and we helped Mike, uh, we helped Jim Jordan and we helped Rand Paul. And now I want you to hear what Rand Paul reported when he talked to Lou Bobbs that night about the meeting with the president and the renewal of FISA. Pfizer right now, it seems as if there's a large contingent on Capitol Hill who want to renew and then maybe reform it later after this nation is in, and this president have endured uh, more than three years of abject spying on American citizens by rogues at the FBI and the Justice Department. Well, I just came from the White House and the president made it absolutely clear, no quibbling about it, absolutely clear, he will not sign a clean reauthorization of the Patriot Act unless we reform FISA. The proposal I gave him was this, don't use FISA, which is a foreign intelligence court, to spy on Americans. Simply say that Americans, if you want to spy on them, you have to go to a constitutional Article Three court to get the wiretap. This would protect Americans from the abuses that happened to the Trump campaign, mm -hmm. But these abuses could happen to Republicans or Democrats if we have biased people in either the FBI or in the intelligence agencies. So I think the best reform is let's take Americans out of FISA and let's keep the foreign surveillance court targeted towards foreigners. I, I think that makes all the sense in the world, Senator. And that's great news that the president will stand and uh, demand reform of those FISA courts uh, that uh, have uh, beleaguered him. Uh, which has uh, violated his constitutional rights for years. Uh, yeah, and, it, and it's not a done deal yet, though, because there were many voices in the room who don't want to reform it. They mm -hmm. want to rubber stamp it, and their loyalty is to the deep state and not to the president and not really to fairness or the Constitution. So I can tell you it was a spirited debate, but I can tell you the president absolutely sides with those of us who say there has to be reform, and he's not signing any bill that doesn't have reform on it. Well, I know one person uh, who wants uh, that bill to be passed without reform, and that's Mitch McConnell. So there you have it. They met with the president. The president stood with us, thanks to your phone calls. But it's not a done deal. And until March 15th, they're going to be pressuring President Trump. And what they want to do is they, they're telling uh, him, well, it's just too complicated, you know, to, to reform this right now. You know, you need to pass it as is, and then we'll review it. And then next time it comes up, you know, we can change it. Boulder Dash, no way. Listen, if you listen to this show, if you know me over the 10 years I've been involved with the Tea Party, from the first meeting I ever had, 
from the first Portage County Tea Party meeting, which is my home group in Portage County, Ohio, on the lawn of the, of the courthouse. I said on that day, on June, uh, July 11th, 2009, I said, I will never waste your time, your effort, or your money. But when I ask you to act, I need you to come to the fight with me. And, and, and I, I have a, a philosophy that I use that you need to understand because it's important. I don't just ask you to do things because I have nothing better to do and you have nothing better to do. I know you got a lot better things to do. But here's our philosophy. We will only fight fights we can win and that are worth winning. I knew that if we could generate calls to the White House when that meeting was going to happen, that the message would get to the president. I sent out the emails. I sent the phone uh, uh, message out to you guys, and you responded, and you called, and that's what happened. The president saw that we needed to do this. He heard your calls. So now I need to go to wethepeopleconvention.org and click on the link about you know the FISA. You'll see it right on the front page under articles, and you'll see uh, the, the phone number, and you'll see a way to write to the White House at you know, uh, whitehouse.gov slash contacts, and you got to keep at it. Because they're going to keep pressuring them, and we must stop this FISA abuse. We must do this. Every FISA judge should be fired, first of all, because they just rubber stamp this stuff. Remember last week on the show, I talked about this guy that told John Solomon that McCabe and Comey were only using the, the NSA capabilities to spy on citizens for political reasons, not to catch any terrorists. They weren't catching any terrorists. That's why the deep state wants us to be reapproved. You've got to fight for your individual freedom and liberty and prosperity. You got to call the White House. And I'm begging you to do that. Because if you don't stand up and fight for, up for, fight for yourself, who's going to do it for you? Nobody. We the people have to stand up and fight for ourselves. That's how we win. We're going to take a break so maybe I can cool down a little bit. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Radio Show and Podcast. And I'm Tom Zawistowski. You can view the We the People Convention News and Opinion podcast anytime you want, 24-7, 365 days per year, by just going to wethepeopleconvention.org, and then right on the front page, you'll see the, the podcast player, and if you click on the blue playlist, it'll show you all of our most recent podcasts. You can also find out by clicking on the yellow button on the front page and going to the We The People live podcast page of the website, where, how you can listen to the broadcast on Facebook or YouTube, on Roku TV or Amazon Fire TV, and get a complete list of our stations that broadcast our, our podcast on the radio every Saturday morning, including a map with the Ohio stations indicated. So be sure to tune in when it's convenient for you. And if you have comments about this show, don't hesitate to write to us at info at wethepeopleconvention.org and tell us what you think about the show or what topics you'd like us to cover. All right, and we're back, and we're starting to wrap up the radio uh, show portion of the program. And I've got some important topics to cover, so we're going to move a little quicker through some of those. One of the things that's in the news, I'm sure you heard about it, is that Chuck Schumer, Chucky Schumer, the Senate uh, minority leader, was on the steps of the Supreme Court and basically uh, called out and actually threatened uh, 
Chief Justice or Justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh uh, by saying that uh, if they rule the wrong way on this abortion case that's in front of the Supreme Court, that he will uh, they will pay the price and you won't know what hit you if you rule the wrong way on this landmark abortion case. And so a lot of people took exception to that, including Chief Justice uh, Roberts, who wrote uh, this morning, Senator Schumer spoke at a rally in front of the Supreme Court. While a case was being argued inside, Senator Schumer referred to two members of the court by name and said he wanted to tell them that you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You will not know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Justice, justices know that criticism comes with the territory, but threatening statements of this sort from the highest levels of government are not only inappropriate, they are dangerous. All members of the court will continue to do their jobs without fear or favor from whatever quarter, okay? So here you are. Here, here you are. The Democrat communists don't believe in, in our, you know, they say they're Democrats. No, they're not. They're, they're tyrants. You've got to rule the way we want. We don't want, you, we didn't, we don't want you to rule the way you think you should rule. And if you don't rule the way we want, we're going to come and get you, right? And your little dog too, Toto. This is the problem with the Democrats, okay? If they don't, if they, if they don't win the 2016 election, then we're just going to destroy our, the government and our country, right? Like spoiled little children. And, and I heard that the, you know, McConnell spoke on the Senate floor, and there's some people talking about uh, you know, filing an ethics violation against Chuck Schumer. But I hope Roberts and Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and the rest of them, because this is on the heels of what we heard last week about Sotomayor saying, well, you just vote for Trump because you're afraid of Trump. Like you guys didn't vote for Obama because you were afraid of Obama, right? Hypocrites. This is disgusting. And then they then they're ones that they're saying that we and that you know that, that Donald Trump and the conservatives are tearing down our institutions like the FBI and like the courts. Yeah. Who's doing that? Who's doing that? It's them that are doing that. Remember, whatever the left says they're doing, that you're doing. If they say you're a racist, they're the racist. If they say that you're attacking the courts, they're attacking the courts. That's Rules for Radicals, Saul Linsky, 101. Don't believe a word they say because they're always lying. They're always lying. And so we're not going to believe them. So I want to go to the, you know, to the election here, okay, and just talk a little bit about that. Uh, Brad Parscale, Parscale, who is the Trump campaign manager, but he was their IT guy in 16. He spoke at CPAC, uh, which was just held last weekend, and he talked about uh, the fact that he expects the Democrats to cheat this election. Oh, how could that be so? Listen to what he has to say and what he thinks we're going to be able to do to combat that. Please, this next week, we'll be launching uh, Army for Trump. Uh, it'll be armyfortrump.com. The app will be re-released. You'll start seeing that all over the news. And it's time to get out there. It's time to start knocking doors, making phone calls. It's time to become on the ground, become digital activists, and fight. Because they are going to cheat. They will. Trust me, I saw the cheating in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. They're not going to wake up in 2020 and go, you know what, let's play fair now. Well, they haven't been playing fair at all along the way because we've seen what they tried to do to this president, right? The good news is they forget that he grew up in Queens and he's a fighter. <laughs> Every day they fight him, he fights back twice as hard, and it's working for the American people. That's right. I, I, I will say... It's all the women, cheering. Look at them. All the ladies. I love it. I bet you... I, I would God, not they're be here surprised. for Brad. Don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for Brad, too. 
I would I would be I wouldn't be surprised if we wake up and over half our volunteers on November fourth are, are women also. We're, yeah. Let me give you some numbers to make you feel really good about what we're building. I think these numbers surprise people. In 2016, we had about 600,000 volunteers, trained volunteers, mostly trained. We will have two million trained volunteers for 2020. We're already at we half already a million. We already passed a half a million. Yeah. Which means we're already caught our 2016 numbers, and we don't even have a candidate to run against yet. I'll give you another great number. There is a thing called a neighborhood team leader. It's part of the Trump victory program that we do at the RNC. Thank you if you're a neighborhood team leader. It's one of the best things you can become. Yes, Thank right you. there. Thank you. If you become one in your neighborhood, you get a 15% increase on average turnout for the president. We had 3,000 of those in 2016. We're on pace right now for 90,000 in 2020. That's Good awesome. Number. So as you can see, they're, the Trump campaign is geared up and fired up and organized, but they expect the Democrats to cheat, okay? And so that's our biggest concern, and we're going to be talking about that a lot over the course of this year. So one of the biggest things that has to happen, we talked about the fact that the, the student, the young people vote is not materializing for Bernie. Bernie Sanders' whole thing is young people love me. Yeah, the problem is young people don't turn out to vote. They just don't. And, and, the, and Super Tuesday... All the youth votes, you know, people under age 29 were all down in every state. They were down from 2016 when Bernie was the new kid on the block. He's a bright, shiny object, and they all want to go out and be part of it. So while he draws nice crowds for some of his rallies, he can't get them to the, to the polls. And so this is going to be a big factor for the Democrats, because if they can't get that youth vote, they have no chance of winning, right? But what's important on our side is the evangelical vote. And pro-Trump evangelicals are planning, you know, a massive turnout for President Trump this election. Um, there, there's basically, there's a whole bunch of groups that are meeting, okay? And, and you know, the whole idea is, it's called My Faith Votes is an organization that convened an important meeting in 2016 aimed at coalescing pastors around then candidate Trump. In the next few weeks, Just the News has learned the group will be back at it, leading a massive church voter registration push across America to drive home the message that Christians have a moral obligation to vote. Their objective is at once simple and arduous, making sure tens of millions of evangelicals actually vote, even if they aren't registered or haven't voted in a long time. The re-election of Trump may depend on it. A new study conducted by the Knight Foundation showed that if non-voters actually cast ballots, Trump would benefit more than the Democrat nominee in key battleground states like Arizona, Florida, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. Early this month, the Faith and Freedom Coalition, led by influential evangelical leader Ralph Reed, announced that they will pour $50 million during the 2020 election cycle into a digital voter education campaign aimed at more than 20 million Christians. Target voters will be bombarded with emails, text messages, and video highlighting pro-evangelical actions taken uh, by Trump and, and things like moving the embassy to Jerusalem, uh, the protection of religious freedom, withdrawal from Iran, nuclear deal, just to name a few. In addition, they have plans to put voter education uh, literature in over 100,000 churches. With solid, Trump record, with solid Trump record to peddle this time around, Reed sees less skepticism and an easier lift motivating evangelicals to get to the polls. See, a lot of the evangelicals, we're rightfully skeptical of Trump in 2016. And I've said this on previous shows. The hardest challenge I had as one of the key leaders in Ohio to try to elect Trump 
was to work with the faith leaders in the state to convince evangelicals that they had to vote for Trump over Hillary Clinton. It was a binary choice. Trump was had named who he would put on the Supreme Court, and those people would have supported religious freedom, and so they had to vote for him. Well, now he's done it. Now he's done more than we ever thought he would do. Now he's the most pro-life, pro-religious freedom president ever. And it's going to be up to these organizations, these faith-based organizations, to turn out the vote. But this is the thing I keep telling you. you got to keep asking your friends and neighbors if they're registered. Because there's, in, in Ohio, as an example, there's 9 million adults in Ohio. People could vote. Only 7.2 million are registered to vote. 1.8 million aren't even registered and in 2016, only 5.6 million showed up. That's incredible. Our country is on the line. And any evangelical who doesn't vote is really not following the Bible, is not doing what, what Christ wants them to do. And that's what these faith groups are going to be talking about. So this is a big deal. And this is what a lot of us are going to be working on this year to make sure that Trump not only wins, but we take back the House and the Senate. Because one of the things we do know is that if we can get these people to register to vote, they're, if they support Trump, they're much more likely to vote down ticket. And that's what we need to do. And that's why all these people who are running as Republicans in the primary are so important, because there's going to be some wins this year in primaries by Republicans where they haven't won in a long time, simply because so many Democrats and simply so many new people are going to come in to vote. And they're going to vote for the Republicans when those Republicans would never normally have a chance. So that's why we're engaged in this primary with so many different people that we think, you know, could be in a position to win, you know, as the November election unfolds, because Trump is going to have coattails. All right. Last story before we wrap up the radio portion of the show. Uh, I, I have to talk about coronavirus. OK, and if you want a great place to go, go to Glenn Beck's website. He has a coronavirus fact check every day where he updates the statistics. So like today that I'm recording this show, it says total confirmed case of coronavirus is 96,268 worldwide. Total confirmed deaths is 3,304. 86 countries have confirmed cases now, which is up from 81 just a couple of days ago. 17% of active cases are considered serious, including 5% that require ICU. And the U.S. has 160 confirmed cases now, and we've had 11 deaths, 10 of which were in Washington State. Okay. Now, that being said, I want to I want to I want to say some things to you. Dennis Prager had a great segment on his Thursday show where he talked about a doctor who looked at a coronavirus outbreak on a cruise ship, and the doctor said, "Listen, all this stuff you're hearing is just." It's just fear-mongering. He said, in a cruise ship, they had a perfect laboratory. It was isolated. There's 5,000 people on board, okay? So now you could tell how quickly it would spread, who it would spread to, and what would happen. And the bottom line is, based on this cruise ship experience, they found that the death you know, potential for someone dying is less than 1%. It's 0.78%. Okay, and, he, and the doctor said, and let's be clear, because they were on this cruise ship, they could have had multiple exposures. So the, the death percentage could even be lower than that in a normal environment where you only had one interaction with somebody that had it, okay, and then that was it. And here's the bottom line. The bottom line is the only people really in danger of serious injury are elderly people 
Most of the people getting this and have to be hospitalized are over age 65. Most of them dying are in their 80s, okay? And so we're wrong for panicking. People are going to stores and buying out the shelves. What are you doing? The NCAA is talking about having the tournament with no people in the stands. That's stupid. That's idiocy. The fact of the matter is, folks, this thing is nowhere near. I just said there's 3,000 deaths, 3,600 deaths worldwide. You know how many people are going to die from the regular flu this year worldwide? 554,000. How come we weren't shutting down businesses and sporting events when the flu is killing 47,000 people in, in the United States this year? How come that wasn't an emergency? This is insane, folks. This is called life. This is called take care of yourself. Wash your hands. If you're sick, stay home. But this business of, they're talking about shutting down Seattle, Washington because they've had 10 deaths. That's lunacy. Here's the figures. Top 10 things that'll kill you in the United States. 600,000 people die of heart disease. 600,000 people die of cancer. 161,000 die from accidents, unintentional industries, car accidents, falling off a ladder, all that stuff. Chronic lower respiratory diseases, 154,000, 155,000. Stroke, 142,000. Alzheimer's, 116,000. Diabetes, 80,000. Influenza and pneumonia, 51,537 on average. Kidney disease, 50,000. And suicides, 45,000. Those are things you got to worry about. This is what the problem is. We're not using our heads. Just, you're not going to, don't cancel any trips or boarding events or whatever, particularly if it's mostly younger people. If you're older, of course, stay in and take care of yourself. That's, they tell you about the regular flu. We got to stop this stuff, folks. We got to act like Americans. And, 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 and Prager made a great point. He said, this shows you why they're so nuts about climate change. The hysteria, the insanity, the lack of common sense, the lack of looking at the facts. This is dangerous. These people in the World Health Organization are dangerous because they're not being honest with the real threat. This is not a threat to the people listening to this radio show. I, I can, I'm assured 100% confident that 99.9% of you will not be affected by this, and therefore you should not change what you're doing. You shouldn't be selling your stocks. You shouldn't be stocking your shelves. You shouldn't be not taking trips. Use your common sense. All right, so the way this works is we wrap up the radio show, but we keep going on with the podcast. So if you want to hear the rest of the show, we've got some important stories we're going to talk about. Hey, by the way, we just signed a treaty to get out of Afghanistan. Big deal. No one's talking about it. We have uh, Judicial Watch won a big court case uh, where the judge wants them to depose, do an actual deposition of Hillary Clinton about her emails and about Benghazi and things. We've got uh, Denovan Nunes you know, sued uh, the Washington Post for $200 million. So there's more to come. You can get it at wethepeopleconvention.org. Okay, pick up the podcast after the radio cast and, and then you know sign up and get our emails. We sure appreciate you listening to the show. 
We sure appreciate those of you who watch the podcast, and, and we thank you for doing what you're doing to protect and defend your freedom, your liberty, and your individual prosperity, because if you won't do it, who will? You've been listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion radio program and podcast, and I'm Tom Zawistowski. The We the People Convention News and Opinion radio program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We the People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We the People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. All right, we're back and we're glad you're with us. We've got uh, another group that's with us uh, now as a sponsor. You, you know, you've heard uh, from the uh, Buckeye Firearms, Liberty Camp, the ACLJ, uh, you know, Right to Life Coalition of Ohio. We're real happy that the Buckeye Institute has uh, decided they're going to, you know, you know, be on our program and show that they support us. I want to just play you an ad that we'll, you'll be hearing as we uh, go through the year now from the Buckeye Institute, because this is a group that, that we support here in Ohio. The Buckeye Institute was founded in 1989 and we're the longest serving free market think tank in the state of Ohio. My goal is removing barriers to prosperity that have been put in place by government. We want for Ohio to be the freest and most prosperous state in the country. The Buckeye Institute is a source of common sense ideas that will have an impact on the nation as well as the state of Ohio. So that's BuckeyeInstitute.org. They fight the fight. They are the guys that are really doing things to help Ohioans and to help, you know, guide government to do good policy. And so if you ever get a chance, go to the BuckeyeInstitute.org and look at their website. All right. So I talked to you about the fact that we're going to talk about a peace, a treaty to withdraw from, from Afghanistan. And folks, I know that, you know, this is a bitter pill. We spent trillions of dollars in treasure thousands of lives our family's been affected a good friend of ours was killed in afghanistan and now we're trying to walk away from it uh the trump administration is making available to congress two secret documents related to the united states peace agreement with the taliban part of the white house effort to build support for ending the longest military conflict in american history secretary of state mike Pompano has reached out to senior lawmakers in the house and senate panels that oversee foreign relations to discuss the accord signed by the u.s officials and the taliban in Doha on Saturday and inform them that the administration will share the military implementation implementation documents as early as this week. I think we're taking a big chance, but I think it's something we have to explore because this war is never ending and I don't really want us to go into perpetual war, said House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Elliot Engel, a Democrat from New York, who spoke to Pompeo on Friday. Like everything else, there are mixed feelings. You don't want our enemies to feel like they drove us out. On the other hand, you don't want to never leave. I'm glad we're working on it at least. Both Engels and Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Jim Rush, Republican from Idaho, plan to hold hearings to review the agreement, but haven't set any uh, timetable to do that. Um, Michael McCullough, Republican from Texas, said, well, a number of GOP defense hawks have raised objections to the agreement, which would lead to the removal of all U.S. forces from Afghanistan over the next 14 months. Other key Republicans are tentatively backing the accord, which is a priority of President Donald Trump's. There's a healthy amount of skepticism, said McCall, but I think we have to give it a chance to work. 
Uh, if they, the Taliban, violate the conditions, the deal is off. It's something we have to give. We have to give a chance. And so, basically, folks, you know, it's like like they said, we 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 have no more reason to be there. Our leadership, our military won in Afghanistan. Our leadership lost, just like Vietnam, just like Vietnam. Right? We didn't lose Vietnam. Our military, our troops didn't lose Vietnam. The Kennedy administration and the Johnson administration lost Vietnam. Well, the same thing is here. The Bush and the Obama administration lost Afghanistan. They just didn't, you know, our troops are not there to build nations. They're not to build schools and to, you know, to teach democracy. That was lunacy. We need to go in there, hit them and get out. And if they came back, go in there and hit them again and get out. But this nonsense of staying there for 20 years has got to end. And I, I compliment the president for having the guts to do it. And hopefully we're going to get this done and bring our boys home because we're just sick and tired of this. We're sick and tired of failed government policy. And again, that's the deep state. That's the CIA, the NSA, all these traitors who've been you know, trying to overthrow the president of the United States. That's all on them. And that's why they've got to go and we need new people. Speaking of Got to go and need new people. Here's an interesting story no one's talked to you about. According to the IG, the FBI has failed to identify and track homegrown ex- extremists. Uh, since 9-11, homegrown violent extremists have carried out over 20 attacks in the U.S., federal authorities said Wednesday. The FBI has not done enough to identify and fight homegrown terrorists. The Department of Justice internal watchdog said Wednesday. The agency also failed to follow up on some cases that had been flagged as potential threats to the country. Justice Inspector General uh, Michael Horace wrote in his report, the FBI has not taken a comprehensive approach to resolving deficiencies in its counterterrorism assessment process, Horowitz concluded. The FBI defines homegrown violent extremists as global jihad-inspired individuals who were radicalized in the United States and are not taking marching orders directly from foreign terrorist organizations like al-Qaeda or the Islamic State militant groups. Since 2011, uh, homegrown American jihadists have carried out over 20 attacks in the U.S., Horowitz wrote. Uh, however, Horowitz found that in some cases, the FBI failed to follow up on suspects who were flagged as potential threats. Also, the FBI has not developed a strategy for determining whether a person under investigation who has mental health issues poses an actual threat to national security or public safety. The FBI conducted reviews after domestic terror attacks to find out what it had missed, but often failed to make sure that agents followed through with its proposed improvements according to him. So, again, listen, we don't hate the FBI. We don't hate the DOJ. But we also know that if you don't have oversight, if people don't pay a price, they don't change behavior. And these institutions are just embedded with people who think they can do anything and they're never wrong. And they're wrong about Iraq. They were wrong about Afghanistan. They're wrong about Islamic terrorism. They were wrong about ISIS. We got to clean this up. This is ridiculous. And, and the problem is it takes so long to clean up. So another great story this week, again, it's a great story, is that Judicial Watch got a federal court to order that they can do a deposition of Hillary Clinton about her emails and the Benghazi attacks. But it's taken them like six years to get here. And it's, and it's Judicial Watch, who we love, Tom Fenton and Chris Farrell, are friends of ours. They help us. We help them. But why is this outside agency doing it? You know why? Because the inside government agency won't follow the law. 
Ask Tom Finn, ask Chris Farrell, watch him on, on One America News. And you'll hear them say that the government has been withholding these documents about Hillary Clinton. The Trump administration government now, not just the Obama administration, but guess what? They're not the Trump or the Obama administration. They're the deep state. They won't give up the documents. And that's against the law. But no one ever gets fired. So I don't know what's going to come out of this. I don't know what happens when they get Hillary Clinton to, you know, to have to answer questions because she can say, I don't recall. You know, I don't remember. You know, it's been too long. But, but we know one thing. She lied. She did things that were illegal. She, she had an illegal server. She had classified information on an illegal server. And people got that classified information for her. That's against the law. She should go to prison. Will she ever go to prison? Probably not, but she should. And we thank uh, the Judicial Watch for making that happen, for fighting the fight, for staying after it. At least someone's trying to hold them accountable. We're going to take another quick break and then wrap up the show. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion radio show and podcast, and I'm Tom Zawistowski. This is Jordan Sekulow with the American Center for Law and Justice. At the ACLJ, we are committed to fighting the deep state and protecting freedom the right to life, religious liberty, and fighting for the Constitution. The ACLJ has experienced tremendous success in litigating cases at all levels of the judiciary, from the federal district court level to the Supreme Court of the United States. We have offices in Washington, D.C., Jerusalem, and all around the world. You can find out more about the ACLJ and join us by visiting aclj.org. Did you know that the Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio is the largest statewide life group in the state? Are you tired of the compromised approach to pro-life legislation that has been the status quo for far too long? Since 2017, the efforts of the Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio has changed that approach, closing loopholes and making pro-life laws enforceable. Visit rtlaohio.org or call 440-668-4049 for details. The Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio. All right, and so we're back for our final segment of the show for today's show. Uh, I had mentioned that uh, Nunes has sued the Washington Post for two hundred fifty million dollars. He also uh, sued had sued CNN, and and I think this is great because you know we we talked last week about the Trump campaign filing suit against the New York Times. And Nunes is basically saying he's a Republican congressman, Devin Nunes, from California, and he's launching a defamation suit, okay? The suit stems from a February article which claimed Nunes alerted the president to a classified briefing where concerns were raised over Russia interfering in the 2020 election. The article also called the briefing the catalyst that led the former acting National Intelligence Director Joseph McGuire's outing or ousting and his eventual replacement by Richard Grinnell. Both the Washington Post and the article the author, Shane Harris, are named in the filing. In recent interviews, Nunes called the article a manufactured hit piece. The fact of the matter was, Nunes never met with the president, was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the day that this meeting solely took place, and this was totally manufactured. Well, guess what? Unlike Facebook and Google and all the, the Internet guys who have you know this Section 230 protection, Real news organizations like, you know, the Washington Post and CNN and stuff, they can be sued. They can be sued if they defame you. They can be sued for liability when they knowingly print something that, that's, that's false. They know it's false. And so this is a great thing that's starting to happen. Now, I wish it wasn't having to happen. I wish that people were really journalists. I wish that people still had integrity. I wish that the, the, you know, a congressman didn't have to sue a newspaper for putting lies in their newspaper. But they do, 
And he is, and I'm proud of him, and I think that's great. And we'll see how that story goes, and we'll be watching that. I wanted to also mention something that, uh, just make a commentary on this. Uh, Jack Welsh, the former CEO of GE, died this week. And I don't know if you knew anything about him. Maybe you don't even know his name, Jack Welsh. But this guy was an iconic CEO in our country. Jack Welsh is the guy, is the kind of guy that helped build America. And, and this was a guy who a lot of people would criticize. He was an incredible manager, right? He took GE from, I forget what it was. I mean, they, you know, he made them one of the five biggest companies in the world, all right? Under his leadership from 1981 to 2001, General did not merely avoid the, the fate of U.S. Steel, Westinghouse, or General Motors, long agonizing declines or outright death due to global competition, the company thrived like none other. The total value of GE shares under Welsh short to more than $450 billion from just $14 billion, and the company's revenue jumped to nearly fivefold to $130 billion under his leadership. He was a tough guy. He had a rule that every year they would fire the bottom 10% of management. Every person got evaluated each year and as a rule, without exception, they fired the lowest 10%. And people said, oh, that's horrible and how inhumane. But it wasn't. It was about excellence. And the people who worked for GE knew that that was the standard. And they were motivated to not be in the lower 10%. And even if they were in the lower 10%, Jack Welsh treated them with respect when they left. He gave them packages. He helped them find other jobs because he knew that they were going to go elsewhere and be customers or partners in business with them down the road. And he was the guy that, you know, just symbolized American greatness. He was a capitalist. He understood what great companies were. He created jobs. He created goods that, the, that made the world a better place. Today, the people leading our companies can't carry his shoes. They don't have the courage, the vision, the quest for excellence. They're all scared of their shadow. They're scared of anybody that wants to go on Twitter and call them names because they didn't hire a transvestite to be you know, their CEO or something. We miss Jack Walsh. We need more Jack Walshes. And it's, it's, just, it's just reflection on his passing that I wanted to say that we've got to stop this nonsense. We've got to get back to, I don't care what color you are. I don't what your, care what your sexual orientation is. I don't know what your ethnicity is, your race. All I want to know is, can you do the job? Can you be the best? Are you going to take a test to be the best welder? Are you going to be the best accountant? Are you going to be the best realtor? That's all that America cares about. We don't care about the color of your skin, but that's what identity politics is, and that's what's destroying our country, and that's what's the problem in our country, and we've got to go back to the way Jack Welsh was, and we've got to fight for our traditions and our norms and, our, and our, the moral base of our country, and we got to make sure that America stays strong because, as you can see with this coronavirus madness, we can't ship it all out to China. we got to start making things here again. All right, one last thing I want to talk about. I know, you know, you guys know that I do a lot of book reviews. I read a lot of books. And I did some videos of this guy in like the second show of this year, uh, this Charles Murray guy. And, and I finally got the book and started reading it. And I think I'm going to add it to my favorites list. And you can get my favorites. You can look at the books that I read. If you go to wethepeopleconvention.org, click on the yellow button for our podcast. And then you'll see uh, in the podcast section a little thing that says, you know, see Tom's book reading list. 
The book is By the People by Charles Murray. And I've been reading this book and it's tough. It's, it, it's, it's like the Gulag Archipelago. It's like reading Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Uh, it's not fun because there's a lot of stuff in here I don't want to read. There's a lot of stuff in here I don't want to know, but I need to know and you need to know. So when you try to think about the things that are wrong with our country, when you think about how some people get off in our courts and other people get the book thrown at them, when you think about how congressmen and senators go into office and they don't have any money and they all come out millionaires and you want to know how that all works, this book will tell you exactly how it works. It's an amazing study of how we got where we are and then he has some suggestions for how to get out of where we are, how to get a freer society, how to rein in government. But this book will tell you how government got out of the cage and how they got to the point where they, they're so involved with our lives. And, and, and it'll help you understand why Bernie Sanders and, and the Democrats make no sense. Because they want to do more of this. They're responsible for the damage that's been done to our country. They're, the Democrats are responsible for your loss of liberty and freedom and prosperity. They keep talking about the rich Republicans and all this stuff, and tax cuts for the wealthy. It's all bull. It's all a scam. We are, the, the, the only reason we have the poverty we have is because the Democrats want victim classes. And this will tell you how they changed the laws, how they changed the government to put us in this situation and what we got to do to fight back and get out of it. By the People by Charles Murray is my recommended book for this week. And I hope you'll pick up a copy. I think it was $8 to buy the paperback. I, I highly recommend it. It's going to be tough to read. A lot of things in here you don't want to read, but you'll know a lot more when you're done reading it. All right. So please do that. All right, and we're going to wrap up our, our show for today. We hope that you will tell people about our radio show and podcast. Uh, if you get our emails when we send them out about the podcast, which comes out on Friday afternoons around noon, there's actually a promotional sheet you can print out and hand to people to get them to, you know, to watch the podcast, listen to the radio show. I do ask you to send your comments to info at wethepeopleconvention.org. I read your emails. I want to know what you think. I want to do better. I want you to, you know, to, you know, to communicate with us. This is your radio show. You paid for it. If you want to donate, I ask you to do $5 for freedom. You can send a text message right now at any time. Text freedom to 22525. Freedom to 22525 and donate $5 a month for freedom to help support the We The People Convention and this radio show and our efforts to reelect President Trump. Okay? This is your show. This is our fight. We're in this together. And I appreciate you, you know, tuning in and listening and, and, and fighting for your freedom. Call the White House, tell the president, no renewal of FISA without reforms, and call AG Bill Barr and tell him we need to indict the coup criminals. I think that's coming down the pike pretty soon. So keep calling AG Bill Barr. Thanks for watching. You've been listening and watching the We the People Convention News and Opinion radio show. And I'm Tom Zawistowski.